want you to say this with me. Every promise from God is an encounter that's waiting to happen. Say it again. Every promise from God is an encounter that's waiting to happen. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that you're real. I thank you that we are in this room because we're hungry for more of you. We thank you, God, that you love us. That's why you are here. You manifest your presence. And God, we have manifested our presence here because we love you. And we're not here to play games. We're here to encounter the living God. Father, I thank you that your love is real. So today, God, uh, as you are in this room, Lord, you are a consuming fire. And I pray, God, that you would allow yourself to be set on fire in this room so that the smoke of your glory would just begin to envelop this room, God. That no human humanity would be in this room. It is only divinity that will be in this room, God. And I pray, Father, that the fire of the Holy Ghost would just fall upon each and every person in this room. That the fire of God would begin to burn on the inside of us. That the passion of Jesus would burn in our eyes. That everything that is not of you would be burnt out of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd love for you to open your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And the title of my message today is The Encounter That Changes Your Life. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We'll read from verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, say born again, again. he cannot see the kingdom of God. Say see. see. Ask your neighbor, can you see? What are they saying? If they're not looking at you, then they can't see. <laughs> By the way, how awesome was Nigel today? He was absolutely, he was absolutely cute. I love, I love him. I love his style. You know, I love the way he says saints and uh, and the choir and you know stuff. It's so beautiful. That's who he is, and I just love that that side about him. And I, and you know what I love about our church and our people is that we're not trying to be perfect. We're not trying to perfect a service. We're offering a God who is perfect. Because even though we are imperfect in many ways, we, when we stand before God, He perfects us. And I absolutely loved what He did today because in all the stuff that He was doing, God came through. <laughs> and so I declare that a teaching gift would come out of Nigel and, and he, would, he would do more and that, that the courage that he that he took to, to come up and communicate God's word to us was awesome. So when you, when you meet him, give him a hug and say, we want to hear more of you. All right? So most assuredly, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Duh. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? By this question, you really know the guy's not smart. Do you know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? You're intelligent, right? You're not smart, you're intelligent. But you know, you know what, he, what, what Jesus is talking about, right? Why, why do you know that? It's because you can see Jesus. Just saying that now. This guy can't see Jesus. Then Jesus answered again. Most assuredly, this is second assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, you can look up at me now. Very interesting question. This guy is a ruler, which means he's a man of authority, and he's come to Jesus at nighttime, which means that he's afraid of people. In secret, he doesn't want people to know. Some of you are secret Christians. You don't want people to know that you love Jesus and Jesus loves you and he's the Lord of your, of your life. I would encourage you, come out into the light. Let everyone know. Trust me, it's a good choice. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and the subtlety in his questions, you know, that there are people that ask questions and those who question you. I love people asking me questions, but when they question me, they're challenging the authority that's on my life. They're challenging the authority, they're challenging the, the call of God on my life, and I have been given permission from God to not even bother to answer you. But I want to tell you something. Jesus felt sorry for the guy, and he, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again, which means if you're born from above, it means that your eyes are open to see God in your life. Yeah. Now, Nicodemus, because he's a ruler, in, a Jewish ruler in, in Israel, he is surrounded by the wisdom of this world. And the wisdom of this world has caused Nicodemus to not recognize God on the earth. This might challenge a, a few of you. Not most of you, but just a few. The ones who really thrive on the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world will blind your eyes to seeing God moving. And Jesus is, says, if, Jesus is saying that if you want to see God at work, you have to be born again. If you want to see God, what, what, what is Jesus saying? Nicodemus said that Jesus, you're a teacher and God is with you. Which means Jesus is not the son of God. He's coming to the son of God and saying, Jesus, you are not the son of God. You're just a teacher, but God is with you. <laughs> Come on now. Is God in your life God or he, is he with you or is he you? That's the challenge. That's why I said some of you will get it. If your eyes are open to seeing God, if you're truly born from above, 
you'll understand this statement that Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you're going to see God, you have to be born from above, which means that now you're not just looking at a man as a man, you're looking at a God-man. A man who has been consumed by God, has been possessed by God. It's not God with us anymore. It is, it is God in us, as us, through us. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And so Nicodemus comes and he tells Jesus, you're just a teacher. You're just a pastor. And God is with you, brother. Praise the Lord. Emmanuel. God with us. When Jesus tells Nicodemus... He's saying you need to be born from above in order to see the kingdom of God. He's, what he's trying to say is that Nicodemus, the wisdom of this world, tells you that Jesus is a good man. He's a teacher because of the signs and wonders that followed Jesus. But if you're born from above, you don't see Jesus as just a teacher. You see him as God. Only because you have now received a word You've believed the word of Jesus. There's an echo on my mic. You've believed the word of Jesus into your mind. You've received it. And when you've received that word into your heart, into your mind, it causes your eyes to, like Kelsey was talking about, the lens of your eyes to be, to be open to seeing God on the earth. Now, he goes on to say to, to, um, uh, to let's go to John 14. John 14. Quickly, John 14. And verse 19. Jesus says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Come on now. He's making this clear distinction between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And he's saying the wisdom of the world, when Jesus... Look at me now. When Jesus was here in the physical, the wisdom of the world saw him. But then when he died on the cross, the wisdom of the world saw Jesus dying on the cross. But the wisdom of the kingdom of God does not see Jesus hanging on the cross, does not just see Jesus as a man. Jesus was dead, he was buried, and Jesus is alive and he's resurrected today, seated at the right hand of the Father. The wisdom of the kingdom of God says that Jesus is not dead, but he's still alive. So here Jesus is saying, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Touch your neighbor and say, can you see him? This is the reason why. Because I live. You will live also. And on that day, which day is he talking about? He's talking about the day that you see him. And on that day, you will know that I, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. It's a, it's a phenomenal triangle of love that is happening here. Okay? But it all starts with you seeing him. The question I have for you today is, in your life, do you see God? Yeah. Very good. For the one of you. Right? In your life, do you see God? In, in your life, do you see the purpose of God in your life? In your church, do you see God? In your church, do you see the purpose of God in your life? In, in this church? Because if you don't, 
then you know what wisdom is guiding you. Then you know, you walk into this room and you're like, whoa, man, you know, the church service is too long. You know, I have friends out there that are really, that really want to spend time with me. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm Christ-like. And so because of that, I need to spend time with them. Where are you spending that time? Probably at a bar or, you know, one of those places consuming um, liquids and spirits that are really not holy. But then, but then we, we, make a, we make a judgment saying that the church service is too long because the wisdom of the world says that the church service is too long. But when you come into understanding the wisdom of God, your, uh, the kingdom of God, now you say every minute we're out of time. We're out of time and we're in the presence of God where time does not exist. Every second that I get to be with God, my life is changed. Only because there is an encounter. I've walked to an encounter with God where time cannot hold me back. Sickness cannot hold me back. Disease cannot hold me back. Death cannot hold me back. Why? Because God has all of me. By the way, while I was in worship, the Lord asked me to prophesy over this church. And I'm going to prophesy right now. I prophesy and I declare in the name of Jesus that what I say shall be established in this house. That this is a cancer-free zone. Every person that walks in with imbalance in the blood, they will be healed in this room. Cancer will die in this room. Every person that has been spoken, every family member that has been given a diagnosis that they have cancer right now in the name of Jesus because you are in this room and because you are hearing the sound of my voice. Cancer is gone in Jesus' name. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, in a little while, they will not see me, but you will see me. Why would you see him? It's only because you've received a word that says that he's still alive. And that every minute of the day, every breakthrough, every opportunity that you have is being given to you by him. Now you've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of light. And now you live in this, you, you live in the kingdom of light, not in the kingdom of time. Do you understand? You live in the kingdom where nothing is hidden. That's why I said, come out. Everybody, it's your flaws, great. You have flaws, wonderful, praise Jesus, everybody has flaws. And the good thing is, if, if Jesus looks at your flaws, he'll fix it. Stop hiding from Jesus. Stop hiding your secret little sins. God knows the secrets. In fact, he wants you to come into this place where he's inviting you into his secret place. When no devil or demon or human being, rat, dog, nothing can come in and even attack you in that moment. No disease can live in the presence of God. Can you see him? Is the question. Can you see him in your life? Can you see him in your church? Can you see him at your work? Every time you have a breakthrough, is it only because he, he only comes because of a breakthrough? Or he comes because he loves you? But can you see him? So seeing God, we're talking about an encounter, right? You cannot encounter somebody you cannot see. 
Right? Try going home and encountering a wife that you can't see. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. But for, for the world, they'll be like, who are you singing to? Why are you guys making so much of this? Like, why do you have to like all sing? Everybody sing the same song. Why, why do we need to do these things? They don't get it. I get it. We get it. I know what we're doing. I know who we're singing to. He's just closer to me than the air that I breathe. You don't understand this God. They will not understand it. But you will understand it. But every time you do something by seeing him, it's called a born again experience. Every time the word of God enters into your mind, ladies and gentlemen, you did not get born again when you gave your life to Jesus. You had no life to give. You were dead. I'll repeat because I think that side's a little bit shocked. <laughs> People think <laughs> that, that you decided to give your life to Jesus. You were dead in your trespasses. That's what the Bible says. What life were you giving? <laughs> While you were dead in your trespasses, Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you while you were dead. So what, what does that tell me? It tells me that the word has a tendency of coming to dead things. The word does not even need your acknowledgement. It does not even need your acceptance. God has decided before the foundation of the world... That you will be saved. That you will be chosen. You are chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You did not wake up one day and say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You had no life to give. But his word came to you. And his word entered into your mind. And his word breathed life into your mind. And that is a born again experience. It was the day you received the word. You believed the word. And you applied it in your life. That is the born again experience. But here's the beauty about salvation. The beauty about salvation is that it's not just a moment. A lot of the times people say, they'll create them or create the moment with the right kind of song and the right mood and everything. And put your hand up, put your hand up. If you're dead, can you put your hand up? You can't. How can you save a dead person? But I know, I know from the wisdom of God that while Jesus was dead, the spirit of the Lord came to Jesus who was dead in the grave and filled him with life. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dead man, gave life to his mortal body. So I know the salvation experience is a little different compared to what everybody else has preached. The salvation experience is every time my mind gets renewed by the word of God, something dead is thrown out and something alive comes into my mind. We must come into this place where we acknowledge that seeing God only happens when you're born again. Seeing God only happens because of grace. 
Not because you decided today I'm going to fast and pray. Today, 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 today is the day, brother. Pastor, I'm going home and I'm getting on my knees and I'm not getting off my knees. Trust me, before you, you do that, if your knees will have to be replaced. <laughs> Come into this place where you understand the grace of God is not by your works. It is, it is his word in you that comes and fills your mind. And when it comes and fills your mind, he comes and he resurrects everything that was dead and he causes you to see him. Hello? Everybody okay? We're talking about encounters, right? We, Kelsey and I live in encounters. You must understand that we're just not normal people. We're not normal people. I don't go to a normal house. I don't treat my dogs like as if they are just normal dogs. I don't walk into my house like it's a normal house. You must understand, angels wait for me when I come home. While I'm in the toilet, the Lord waits for me outside in the living room and he says, hey, I want to talk to you. You, you, we can't, you can't. You must come into this place where you understand that we live in a dimension where God is more real than the physical world. But we must come into this place where we understand that we're just not living this life by ourselves. There's an entire host of heaven that is waiting for you to recognize that they're there. There's an entire... There's angels... Huh? There are angels that are waiting for you to only acknowledge the Lord, that you can see him. The minute you see him, you've experienced a born-again experience. You've had a born-again experience. What does it mean to be born again? Okay, quickly through the scripture. Let's go to Ephesians. I think I did this. Ephesians, no. Ephesians chapter 5, 26 and 27. For time's sake, I'll read it. It says, this is one of my favorite Verses in the Bible. Passionate about it, actually. Almost every week when I preach, something about it comes out. It says, husbands, love your wives. <laughs> I'll, wait, I'll wait for you to read it with me because... Husbands, do you have your um, Bible? <clears throat> <clears throat> it says, husbands, love your wives, right? Without any conditions. Doesn't matter what the color, caste, creed, size. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter what the bank balance, doesn't matter what the job, huh? doesn't matter whether you found her on shadi.com or matrimony, it doesn't matter. What does it say? Husbands, as Christ has loved the church and gave his life for her to sanctify her. Can I read it again? For those of you who are not married, take it and put it in your pocket because you will need it. <laughs> okay? Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave, gave his life for her to sanctify her. You want your wife to be sanctified? Give your life. Okay, now, now look at me now. You look, the, you, uh, husbands are looking at me like, oh, okay, dude, today's my day. <laughs> yeah, today's your day. It's a good day because the word is coming. And if the word comes, then you're about to have an encounter. You must understand. 
when the Bible says that Jesus gave his life for the church and he gave his life for her to sanctify her, it means that every time you sacrifice your life, your wife gets sanctified. Every time you pay a price so that your wife can live, she gets sanctified. Hello? Stop complaining. Start sacrificing. Live a sacrificial life to honor your wife. Why? Because that's what Christ does. And it's very important for you as a husband to know what Christ does for the church. So that you can actually do what Christ does. And then he goes on to say, cleansing her with water through the word. In John 15, Jesus says, you are clean because of the word I spoke to you. John 6, he says, the spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. My words are spirit and it is life. What is Jesus saying again now in John chapter 3? He's saying, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the... So what is he saying? He's not saying people need to get baptized. He's talking about if you are hearing the word, the word is sanctifying you. You come into this room... It's a cleaning process. All the junk from your trunk gets washed away. And then the role of the spirit comes. He's saying you have to be born of water, which is the word, the washing of the word, the spoken word, and the spirit. The spirit word is what you need to get born again. Please listen to me very carefully. Every time you hear God's word, it's an invitation to a born-again experience. You can, you are, it's, not just, you, it's not just saved once and forever saved. And a lot of time Christians have had this very lethargic attitude towards God. And it's like, oh, you know, I got saved, uh, brother, in, in uh, 1975. And when I got saved in 1975, I was on fire for God, but then I matured. You matured? What does that mean? Oh, it just meant that I began to communicate God in a very profound and intelligent way. And I confounded the wisdom of this world through the wisdom of God. No, it's just that the fire went out and you use knowledge now to cover up your lack of, of, of zeal for God. Hello? Am I speaking to anyone? I am, right? We've come into this place where being on fire for God is not a prerequisite. If you only understand that God is an, this is the encounter that I was having today. I, I was taken into the throne room of God during worship and I, and I could not find myself in it. I knew I was there, but I couldn't see myself. All I could see was just the smoke of God's presence. And I was like, yeah, this is so scriptural, you know, the smoke of, of God's glory. And, and, and God, said, God said to me, do you know how that smoke enters into the room? I said, no, but I know you're going to tell me. And then he said, let me show you. And I saw God sitting on the praises of his people and the praises of his people consumed him like a fire. The Bible says that he is a consuming fire, which means God is on fire 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
and the smoke of his burning flesh fills the room. The, the glory of God from, that emanates from the fire that burns in him fills the room. And it's in that glory that we walk into the fragrance of his perfume. The fragrance of his flesh being on fire. The fragrance of God being on fire is what we really enter into. There's no other place in the presence of God for anything else. Even the river of God flows from the, from the doorpost. It flows out of the doorpost. It's outside the temple. In the throne room of God, nothing can stand. That's what the Bible says. Nothing can stand except he calls you. He just calls you in. He calls you into his presence, which is where he's in awe. He's just on fire for God. He's burning. He's consuming. The whole room is full of smoke. And that's what we say. Wow, I feel the tangible presence of God. Well, you don't smell smoke. You smell perfume because God is not dead flesh, but he's alive. He's a living sacrifice. You must come into this place where you understand when you come into the presence of God, your flesh does not exist. When you come to encounter God, you cannot come in with your conditions. You cannot come in with, oh, God. I know you're an all-consuming fire. You're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm not. I'm on time. I, need a, I have to go to work. Let me tell you something. Let him consume you. And then people will run after you for you to have new jobs. Do you understand? The glory of God is so consuming that the world longs for it. Anyway. Husbands. Love your wives. You must understand that in order for you to be born again... You need the word. If you're not in the word every day, you're not having a born-again experience every day. That born-again experience, ladies and gentlemen, is your opportunity to encounter God. You cannot encounter God in worship. You encounter God in the word. Please think about what I'm saying. It's not the time of singing where you encounter God. It's the word in the songs. It's the revelation. It's the, reveal, it's the revelation of God that enables you to have an encounter with his presence. But salvation, the salvation experience, you must understand that although we've had a salvation experience once, the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. Not in the gym. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, Pastor John, you're just, just now you said uh, salvation is a grace act. I don't do it when the word comes. What Paul is trying to say is take an account of the junk in your life. Take an account of the wisdom of this world in your mind. Take an account of how you, the choices that you make in a pressure situation. Take an account of that and sit before God and work each one out. For every lie that you believe, you need the truth. 
for every word of wisdom of this world, you need a wisdom of God to bring it back to life. Every time you put yourself in that place, you're positioning yourself for an encounter with God. Salvation is about God rescuing you. <laughs> salvation. <laughs> salvation, the experience of salvation, did not just happen the day you got saved. It's a work in progress, which means... If you want more light in you, you've got to give God the darkness. Do you understand? All the, the negativity in your mind, all the, uh, the junk, all of that, take, uh, take, open the trunk and look. And take a book. Do this. Uh, this is what I've done. Take a book and sit down and say, oh, oh. Oh, not good, not good. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Write down, write down everything. And then sit with God and say, God, I have lots of work to do. <laughs> so for every lie that I've believed, for all the wisdom of the world that I've believed growing up, common sense, common knowledge, it's just common, it's inferior. You have to come to the wisdom of God, which is very superior. It's so superior that a wise person would think it's foolish. But actually, the, the foolish things of the world will confound the, the foolish things of God will confound the, the wise of this world. I know I'm confounding you today, but that I, you're being confounded only because Jesus said, assuredly, assuredly, twice. <laughs> Most, 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 most high, most assuredly. Understand that God wants to rescue you from every lie that you've ever believed. Every fear that, every, that, that leads your life, he wants to deal with it. Why? It's because God desires to encounter you. When he encounters you, he does not come. Listen, it doesn't cost money. Okay, so don't talk about money now. In fact, Jesus has come and buy, God, the Bible says, come and buy from me without money. Yeah. What is he talking about? Come and do a barter agreement with me. Barter deal. Come and do a barter deal. Give me your junk and I will give you beauty. Give me your ashes and I will give you glory. Give me your pain and I will give you long life. Give me suffering. I will give you long and abundant life. We have to come and buy. He's calling, inviting us to come. Lord, I don't have anything. No, you have lots. Lord, I just bring myself. I am nobody. That acknowledgement that you are nobody is something. You're, you're not, not a nobody. You're somebody who believes a lie that you're a nobody. That's why you don't have a body to give. But if you can come to God and say, God, thank you for saving me the first time. It was by your divine grace. I acknowledge your divine grace and I'm not going to abuse it. But in fact, I'm going to come, God. And I, and I realize that I have lots of work to be done. And I know it will take a long time. But I know that you're outside of time. So every time I come and sit with you, God, I know that you're taking me out of time. And then I can sit down and deal with the little lies 
the little issues, the little problems, the in, in, not around me, in me. Do you understand? We think that when we receive a prophetic word that our entire surroundings will change. No, it doesn't. You change. The word comes to change you. Some, yeah. So when you sit down and write and give it to God, now there's a divine exchange. He, he comes and he releases his word, the truth of God's word, like on a Friday, he releases the truth of God's word into your mind and you don't even have to like, mm, I need to mm, chew the word, brother. I need to eat the word and I need to do this. No, he doesn't do anything. The word will do everything for you. This is grace. God's grace is sufficient for you. For all your needs. All of them. This, when this happens now, ladies and gentlemen, you are, you've stepped into a, what God calls a born-again experience. Yes. Yes, this is, the, the, now you're not from the earth now. The wisdom of heaven is in your mind and it's causing you now to open your eyes to see God in your life. And this is really what Jesus was talking about. If you, if you were to look at your life, and you were to say, well, well pastor, you know, you're, you're preaching all this stuff. I'm a good Christian. You know, I, 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 I do good things and I, I, I do lots of good charity and I, I do, I worship. I read my Bible, I pray every day and also say Hail Mary and the rosary and all of that stuff. I do everything I need to do in order for me to experience salvation. Brother, that's still your work. It's still your work. Grace looks like this. You did not, when you woke up in the morning, you did not even decide I'm going to read my Bible. Grace looks like this. You woke up in the morning and you went straight to the Bible. <laughs> That's what grace looks like. The grace of God does not need your decision. It need, does not need your permission. It will move you into an encounter with God. Do you understand? You know, look at your choices. Your choices or your responses in the middle of a storm will tell you what kind of wisdom is in you. When money dries up mid-month and everything starts fluttering on the inside of you and you have to make phone calls to ask people, do this, do that, run around. I need to get an extra job. I need to do this. I need to do that. The wisdom of the world will tell you to do that. Show me the wisdom of God. What does he say? In the midst of a storm, go to sleep. In the midst of the trial, fall asleep. What are, what, what are you trying to say? Don't do anything? No, don't do anything. That's what I'm saying. Just People ask me a question, Pastor John, do you love rock and roll? I just love rock and roll. You know why? Because when I'm in the boat in the middle of the storm, it rocks me to sleep. And then I roll into the presence of God. I love rock and roll. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> rock and roll is not of the devil rock and roll is of God 
When you're in the midst of a storm and the waves are rocking you like that, it's the lullaby. For a new creation, a storm is a lullaby. Rockaby baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. Just fall asleep. Come on now. I think I'm setting you free. I know that you're clapping for Jesus. And you love him a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very good. Wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. For the new creation, storms gives us peace. God, thank you. Wow. I get to rest in this storm. The wisdom of the world will say, brother, save your life. (laughs) Think about you. You're going to die. (laughs) Save your money. What's going to happen to you after retire? What if there's no retirement? Then then all your life you'll only be saving money. Who's going to spend it? Just just want you to know. The wisdom of God says, give it all. Don't store up, because the more you store up, the, the moths and all of that start eating it up. Why were, you, why were you struggling so much, trying to survive, to save money when the money just, it just vanishes away. Might as well use it, no? Buy some organic food. <laughs> Get some good bacon. Jesus, hallelujah. Eat some good food. Strengthen your body so that you can live longer. It's the wisdom of the, of the kingdom of God. But the wisdom of this world will tell you, brother, push the water out of the boat. You need to say, in the storm, call on Jesus. Now call Jesus. Jesus, don't you love me? Jesus. Nobody loves me in the church. Nobody cares for me. Nobody's calling my number. Nobody loves me, 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 me. Oh, poor me. So sad. Huh? Yeah, pastors are not calling. Maybe I should call him. And now when I call him nowadays, he doesn't even answer my phone. Doesn't even love me, man. It's like I, it's, it's, I call Jesus, he comes faster. <laughs> the wisdom of this world, I love this side, it's very uh, pensive. <laughs> You're resting in the storm, aren't you? (laughs) Wrong time to rest. Now it's... (laughs) It's rock and roll right now. (laughs) The wisdom of the world will make you the focus. The wisdom of God will make Jesus the focus. It causes you to remove your eyes. What do you see? Who do you see in the midst of a storm? If you see Jesus then the wisdom of God is in you. If you don't see Jesus, then the wisdom of this world is in you. This, the wisdom of this world, robs you from experiencing, having an encounter with God. Encounters are your birthright. Encounters with God is your birthright. You must have an encounter every day. Every day, you must encounter God. It's your birthright. 
Come on, man. Heaven is not just up in the sky. He's all around us. The smoke of his presence. Let me tell you something. Jesus is on fire on the inside of you. Jesus lives in his temple and he is on fire. The question is, are you taking a fire extinguisher and living with it and saying, Jesus is on fire. <laughs> I'm on fire. I'm heating up on the inside. Oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I need to put the fire out. Brother, I need some wisdom of this world. So I go to the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of this world tells me totally opposite of what God is saying. And so now I'm so scared to experience God. So now I'll go to the world and then drink a glass of beer and have another cigarette and have one more thing and one more thing. And before I know it, I'm dead as a duck. I'm more dead before I got saved. I'm more dead after I got saved than before I got saved. Do you understand? And, and you come to life group and the pastor asks a question. Not a pastor, but any of the life coaches. You know, I'm not pointing at my... At, at, I love you guys. Anybody, uh, so did you have an encounter with God? <laughs> uh, did, you, did you listen to the word? All the life coaches are like, thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. And the problem, the problem is you're coming to church and experiencing just ankle deep water. But if you understand that the river gets deeper, the further away it goes, you should be experiencing God. If you're only experiencing God, listen to me, you're only experiencing God when you have problems, guess who's the disciple striving to survive? The wisdom of this world tells you, pray, pray, fast. Beg now, beg now. Now is the time when you beg God. Beg God to move in your life. And you go responding to the devil. You, just, you allow the wisdom, inferior, common knowledge to make you feel like you have hmm, wisdom. Make you feel very proud. Actually, it puffs you up. My concern with Christianity is there's more common knowledge in the church than actual God knowledge. This is my concern. And a lot of the processing of what happens in church and how they make decisions and what decisions and choices and all of that stuff happen when people put on the lens of the wisdom of this world and they look at spiritual things. I want to encourage you. See God. Get born again. Again and again and again. Every day, get born again. Salvation is a work. Work. Work your salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. Honor God so much in your life that you take the junk and you submit it before him and you say, God, I really can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you, Lord. And I, I need you to give me the truth. Not I need you to do me a miracle. I need the truth. 
for far too long, people want God's acts, but they never want him. For far too long, I repeat myself because I feel like I need to. For far too long, Christians have settled for the wisdom of the world. And they've allowed the wisdom of the world to lead them to God. And they do go through the repentance, the crying. Lord, forgive me for what I have done. When you should have gone to God, instead of crying, say, God, give me the truth. Because I've been bound, listen to me, I've been bound by a lie. I need the truth to set me free. Separate yourself from your stuff. If not this, but this is holy. But if this is your stuff, just go before God and surrender it and say, God, what do you have to say about alcohol? What do you have to say about cigarettes? What do you have to say about lies? What do you have to say about time? What do you have to say about my finances? What do you have to say about debt? What do you have to say about a lack of um, barrenness? What do you have to say about my marriage that is crumbling? What do you have to say, God? And then listen to what he has to say. And when he speaks, apply it in your life. Because when he speaks, that word comes on the inside of you. And ladies and gentlemen, it positions you. To have an encounter with the living God. You must understand that Jesus, when Jesus is saying in John chapter 14, when he says, I live and because I live, you will live. Every time you receive the truth of God's word into your life, it calls you out of darkness into light. It calls you out of death into life. And every time you come alive, it's called a God encounter. You've encountered the living God in his word. You've encountered God. It makes you very attractive. Do you understand? You know, I know when a person um, is receiving the word of God, when a person who's sitting in church experiences God in his word, you can tell on their face. You can tell in their body language. You know, growing up, I've always been in ministry with my mom and dad, and I've seen people, I've seen kids who were blind. You know, they were blind. And when they came and they were prayed for, they received their sight. And the first person that they looked at, the child looked at, was the mother. And the expression on the face of that child told you, A child just came to life. In the same way, we've gone into villages in in India where deaf children would be brought up for prayer and they would lay hands on the children and and lay in their ears and they would cast the spirit or whatever deafness out or they pray for whatever issue was in the ears and the child begins to hear for the first time and the child hears the mother's voice and the expression on the face. You cannot tell me that God is on fire on the inside of you and be dead as a duck. You cannot be dead having a living God on the inside of you. There must be something that happens to you on the outside of you that communicates that I have come alive. Are you alive? Are you alive? 
every time this very expression is what God calls a God encounter. Every time you receive the word, like you're doing right now, you receive the word like that. He sets you up for an encounter with him. And when he encounters you, everything that is dead comes to life. This is why we need a God encounter. God encounters does not happen because you spend more time singing songs. God encounter happens when you spend more time believing the word of God. Every promise from God is an encounter that is waiting to happen. Every word that God speaks, every word, even a joke, is an encounter waiting to happen. It's not only prophecy when we say, thus says the Lord. The Lord is saying thus from a long time. 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, God has been speaking to his people. But the problem is that we've allowed the word to fill our minds with no experience. I've got the experience, God, man. I've got to take him at his word. If his word says that I will not live in lack, that means I believe I will not live in lack. And when I choose to not live in lack, now the God of glory will provide all of my... Come on, Jesus. Jesus. So good. So I want to show you in the, in, in the word. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 28. It's a phenomenal encounter. We're, we're just getting started with this whole encounter thing, okay? Nobody talks about encounters. Everybody talks about goosebumps and all that stuff. Nobody talks about encountering the living God. Every time a person encountered God in the Bible, his life was changed. Yeah. Some of us come back to church the same way every week. My question to you is, who are you encountering? Because we are so busy encountering the wisdom of this world that we're so dead when we have to come to church. We need electric shocks from heaven to come alive. (laughs) Are you in Genesis 27? 28? It's really good. Fast. You were fast today. Very fast. Faster than me. I love it. Actually, just don't go to Genesis 28 yet. Let me give you the context because you must understand the context (laughs) before I get into it. So Genesis 27 is about this guy called Jacob. (laughs) Okay, so there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. John 3. See how prophetic the word is. No, you must, I don't know, anyway. Did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Third son. I'm I'm third in my family. What's my name? You see? (laughs) So I'm John three. (laughs) Genesis twenty seven. Okay, Genesis 27, we have a guy called Jacob who is Abraham's grandson. Okay, please keep in, in, in mind that it is the promise, okay, that leads you to having an encounter with God. Okay, the promise of God's word is an encounter that is waiting to happen. Okay, so here we have Jacob now 
who um, say he's smooth. Just say smooth. Which means he had smooth skin. He was a, wasn't a smooth talker. He, was, he had smooth skin. And he was very tender as a, as a man. Right? And so he was, he was the second born. And his brother Esau was the first born. And now when his father Isaac, who is second born, you're smart, right? Second born, who's received the inheritance of the blessing of God that God gave to Abraham. Right now you have the, the, the Isaac who has received the inheritance now and he's getting old. And so he tells Esau because, not Esau, Esau. <laughs> he tells Esau, Esau, please go out, take your bow and arrow, go out and hunt this favorite game and make my favorite meal because I want to give you a blessing. Okay, so by the way, I changed your name. You're not Jacob the deceiver. You're Jacob the receiver. Okay? I changed the meaning of his name. So today, from today onwards, you will be Jacob the receiver. You will receive everything that God has for you. Amen. Amen. So Isaac is hungry. Isaac knows he's going to die. Okay? So he sends his son out to go hunt. While the wife is listening to what Jacob tells Esau, uh, Isaac tells Esau, okay? Lord, make it easy for me. <laughs> so Isaac now is about to die, and he tells Esau something very critical. You must understand this. He says, Esau, can you feed me, give me my last meal? Okay, I want to eat this meal in the presence of God and bless you. Which means, that he wasn't a, you must understand, he wasn't a Christian. But he was fully aware of the presence of God. Why was he aware of the presence of God? Because of the promise. Because of the promise, God told Abraham, I'll never leave you. You will become a father of many generations, many nations. Now that promise was passed on to the son, Isaac, the promised son. And now when, when, he, when Isaac received the promise, he knows that every time the promise, he keeps the promise in him, the promise is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always there. Okay, so in the presence of God, in the presence of the word in him, in the presence of the promise in him, he says, feed me, give me my meal so I can release the promise on your life. So he goes out and the mother hears this and says to Jacob, Jacob, go cut that one that's, just kill that calf, that little goat that is there. Cook it fast and bring it because you need to get this promise instead of your brother. Okay, Jacob wasn't the deceiver, his mother was. But what I'm trying to say is that it, it, it was the word his mother put into his mind that caused him to act. Yeah, yeah, right. So anyway, <clears throat> so he comes, he cooks this meal for his dad, and he comes, and he puts sheep's skin, hair, on his body and his neck. He comes to his father, and he says, Father, I've, this is the meal I'm making for you now. I've made for you now. And so father's, the father says, you feel like Esau. Yeah, but your voice is like Jacob. But he eats the meal anyways. Thank God for the stomach. He's hungry. 
So in the presence of God, listen to me, in the presence of God, Jacob deceives his brother to receive a promise. This is a beautiful picture of grace. He did not earn it. He was undeserving of it, but yet he still received a blessing. So when now he receives this blessing and his brother comes back now and Jacob's out doing his stuff, his brother comes and says, Father, here's the meal. Take, I, give me my blessing. And Jacob goes, oh, your brother deceived me. Isaac, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so many Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Rebecca. I'm like, oh. so many is like a, anyway. So Isaac now says, oh my gosh. He didn't say, oh my gosh. But he says, <laughs> he says, I have given your blessing to your brother. And he gives him an inferior blessing. So Esau is very angry with his brother and says, wait for dad to die. After I've finished mourning for him, I'm going to come for you. Right? You heard in school those kids, right? I said, wait when the bell rings. Then I'll show you. You know, that kind of brother. So Jacob now listens to this threat and he says, okay, now it's time for me to take off. And he runs from his family. And he's running to, from his family and he, 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 he goes far and he, towards the nighttime, he comes towards Genesis 28. Okay? It's nighttime in Genesis 28. All right? He's been running from Genesis 27. And by the time it's nighttime, it's Genesis 28. And then in verse 10, Verse 10, go to verse 10. Are you there where Jacob is? Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran, not Haram, Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in the place to sleep. Then he dreamed. Before that, he didn't dream. Very interesting. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached the heaven. And there, were, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. Come on now. Come on now. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be. What, what did he say? All the families, not just Jewish people. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken, spoken, spoken to you. Right. So it's phenomenal. Now, our brother Jacob's running, sleeping, tired. He sleeps. He has a dream. Now, I want to tell you something, okay? This might shock you. The word does not need your permission to give you an encounter. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
The promises of God do not need your permission to bless you. In fact, when you receive a blessing from God and a promise from God, the word of God begins to set the environment for the encounter. You might think that that storm in your life is there because of consequences of your choices. I want to let you know something beautiful. The word of God, the minute you receive a word from God, it begins to orchestrate. It starts moving things in your life. You think you're in the wilderness, brother. But trust me, you're being set up for an encounter. Jacob could have said, man, I'm a deceiver and my mother told me to do this, man. And he would have complained all the way into Genesis 28 and he would have gone to sleep complaining. But little did he know that because of that blessing on the inside of him, his brother threatened him. Come on, man. Come on. You must get it. You must understand. Now you'll, you'll appreciate the storms in your life. Just think about this. There's a parallel between Jacob and Jesus. When Jesus received a word from God when he was baptized, it says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The spirit came upon him and where did it lead him? It's the word of God, the promise of God sets you up for the encounter. We look at the surroundings and we think when I receive a prophetic word that everything around me will change. No, 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 no. Everything becomes empty. He takes you into a place where you cannot depend on anyone or anything. The reason why he's promised the blessing takes you into the wilderness is because he does not want you to get distracted. He doesn't want you to get distracted by what is happening in the world. The wisdom of the world. All this TV show and all that car and all that business and all this and all that. Stay in the desert. Stay in the wilderness. Stay in the darkness. Because that is where God is setting you up for an encounter. You must understand in a place where he's removed all the distraction, you become the attraction. Oh, come on. I wish you got that. He removes all the distraction and he makes you the focus of his love. Come on, man. That's a good word. Oh. You become the attraction. You, 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 you become the attraction. You might look at your life and say, Pastor, I don't have anything in my life. Great! You're the attraction for God. Pastor, I don't have money. He's not looking for your money. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. Come on, man. Come on. Jesus. 
Thank you for your word. Your word makes you attractive. Your word, the word, the wisdom of God makes you very attractive to God. Literally, when he, when he gives you his word, he's looking for the signal. <laughs> not you. He's looking for the word to signal to him. He's not looking for miracle signs and wonders. He's looking for the word to signal to you. And when the word signals to him, that's when the, the ladder comes from the earth to heaven. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. It's no longer a worship song. It's no longer a church service. It is the world. It's the word. The word strips you of everything that is of this world. Takes everything away. Because he doesn't want you to depend on those friends that lie to you. He doesn't want you to depend on those friends who, who deceive you. He wants you to be separated. The word anointed means to be separated. You might step into this place where, Pastor, I feel lonely. <laughs> hey! I feel like nobody loves me. <laughs> Just stay there. Don't ask for anybody to love you. Don't ask anybody to give you any money. Don't ask anybody to do anything for you. Stay in that place. Just stay in that place. Touch your neighbor and say, stay in that place. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. God is so good. God is so good. Come on. If you've been here, if you're coming here for the first time and you're listening to the word of God, this is a promise. A promise is coming to you now. Just receive it. Just believe the word. Just receive it. And don't try to work hard. Don't try to work hard. Let the word work for you. The promise is busy. Touch your neighbor and say, God is busy in me. He's busy. <laughs> Pastor, somehow my friends have all left me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I don't need these friends. I don't need these people to depend on. My love is not from them. They are not the source of my love. Jesus is the source of my love. I will rest in him. <laughs> come on man come on if Jesus can stay without food or water or even people with for 40 days 40 nights trust me the new creation can do longer than that you're a new creation in Christ we are attracted to storms we sleep in the storms the storms are a lullaby for the new creation You must understand this, that embedded in the word of God, embedded in the word of God is the ability to set you apart, but also 
sets God an invitation. The promise is busy working to clean you up, sanctify, remove all that stuff, all that worldly stuff. Just remove all of that. And he's, he's pushing you into the wilderness. He's pushing you, pushing you. Go, go into the wilderness. Go, go, go into the wilderness. Why am I going to the wilderness? Why can't I feel God's presence? Because it's not about goosebumps, brother. God was always in you. God's word, just like Isaac said, I am in the presence of God. In the presence of God, I want to bless my son. In the presence of God. The question is, do you have the presence of God in you? Because Jesus says that the, 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 my word is spirit and it is life. So the measure of the word in you is, is equal to the measure of the presence of God in you. Or let me say this in a better way. The measure of the word in you will reveal a measure of God in you. Much better way to say it. Much better way to say it. Because God has come and he lives in you. He's not coming halfway. Today take my leg. Pull my leg. Pull my leg. <laughs> Don't pull God's leg. Say, God, let me have a toe of your presence. No, no, no. No, 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 no. When God says, I'll come and dwell with you, he says, I will come in all of my glory, all my power, all authority, all dominion. Everything lives on the inside of you. So what's the purpose of the word, Pastor John? The purpose of the word is for my eyes to open so I can see. I can see him. Every time I see him, I've had a born-again experience. I've had that born-again experience where God has given me a taste of his goodness. He's given me a taste of life. He called me just like that blind man. He's healed me and now I can see. I, I was deaf, but now I can hear. I did not have a life. I was dead, but he gave me life and life in its abundance. Phenomenal statement. While I was preparing this message, I saw the word of God like a, what are those things on the beach? You know, the ones with the lights, what are they called? Lighthouse, 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 prophetic, huh? Like prophetic. Lighthouse. Hmm. Like a lighthouse in you. So you, de you decide, how much light? Want to show this much? this much? You decide. Because the word you receive, the measure of the word you receive on the inside of you will allow the light to shine out of you. Not for the world to see, for heaven. Because the ladder went from earth to heaven. So every time you receive the word of God, don't just be like, mm, okay, girl. oh gosh, she's screaming again. Today is really excited. Oh my God, when is this going to get over? When can I go and eat food? Yeah, praise the Lord, you can go and eat food. But the rest of us who really love the Lord, who love the word, are now busy. We're busy. We're, we're busy lighthousing. <laughs> we're busy shining a light. We're not shining a light for men to see how holy we are. We're shining a light for heaven. 
We're ready for an encounter with God. And the word of God is allowed in me is a, a, a beacon. Goes out into the heavens. And it's looking into the heavens. Jesus. And every time the light shines in heaven, now it catches God's attention. Why? It's because the Bible says he looks through the earth, to and fro. He looks to those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for worshipers. What is worship? Worship is about your response. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is how much light are you shining? (laughs) How clean is the bulb? On the inside of you. <laughs> How much light are you shining? Because every single person that, that shines a light is set up for an encounter with God. <laughs> Man, the blessing from God. The word of God paints a bullseye on you. Not this side. Not this side. Right here. Every time you bless someone, you're painting a bullseye on them. Bless those who curse you. You must be very. In, you must be smart about how you bless them. <laughs> don't don't just say, "Oh, slap me, slap." Okay, take another cheat. Jesus says that. That's fine. You can do that also if you want. Or if you want them to change forever, don't bless them according to how they've cursed you. The way the new creation takes revenge is a little different. Pastors will sit up and listen to what I have to say now. The way we take revenge is by painting a bullseye on them. I will bless this guy or this lady who's been cursing me so that the word starts working. Not to, I don't want to see a change. Praise the Lord. I don't want to see the change. But when heaven encounters them, We're all sitting rich after that. Please understand what I'm saying. Every person that is sitting on your right or your left, angels are there. Every person who's sitting on your right or on your left, you have the opportunity to bring transformation in their life just by opening up your mouth and blessing them. But again, saying bless you doesn't really mean anything. You've got to... Bless. So why don't we just take that time right now and just just bless one another. Just right now, just next to you, whoever's next to you, just bless, yeah. Just release, paint a bullseye on them. If you have no one next to you, then just ask the Lord to bless you. (laughs) Lord, Lord, you paint the bullseye on me. When you've done that, now you've set the person up to be encountered by God. Your word, the blessing that you spoke over their life, enters into their mind and now starts changing things around. All you need to do now is just sit back 
and watch God at work. Just sit back and watch God at work. <laughs> so in closing, let's open our Bible to John chapter 14. I've painted enough of a bullseye on you. <laughs> John 14, verse 19. Let's read that again. <clears throat> Saying, in a little while longer, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Do you see him? He says, because I live, you will live also. And that day when you see me, you will know. <laughs> At that day when you see me, you will know. You, what would you know? You will know wisdom. You will gain wisdom. You will experience. You'll have an experience and you will gain the wisdom of God. For the four people that are celebrating, you're that bullseye right now. I painted that on you. And at that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Go down to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, here's, here's the beauty, he will keep my word. He will keep my word. And when he keeps my word, my father will love him. Ooh. And, he, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Hello. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I, I like that. I, I think I, I want it. I don't know about you, but I, I want it. I, I, I. This is the moment where you need to get a little selfish. Paint, paint the bullseye on yourself. It's very interesting. He says, anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Which means you can lose the promise. This is my Bible. I keep it. This is the pearl of great price. I fight for it. I protect it. When Jesus is saying, if you, if you love me, you will keep my word. And the one who keeps the word, the Father will love. Not keep the wisdom of this world. Keep the wisdom of God. God's word. When you keep God's word and you don't allow any negative or positive experience of the world to rob it away from you. See, there are people who are sitting in this room who have heard lies. I'm telling you right now. The Lord is revealing them to me. You've, you, you've heard lies about us. You've heard lies about me. And it's robbing you of a God encounter. 
In fact, you're encountering depression. You're encountering a loneliness that comes from the devil. It's not a God experience. Not you, man. You're holy. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. Today, if you choose to let go of those lies, to let go of the wisdom of this world, ask God to give you the truth. When he gives you the truth, he sets you up for an encounter. He sets you up for an encounter with the living God. Keep the word. Keep the word. Jacob says something really beautiful. Let me just read it to you. Let's stand, let's stand. We're out of time. No, we're not running out of time. We're out of time. See, look, mate. Hello. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. That's what the word does. He creates a bullseye on you and he sets you up for an encounter. And after you have an encounter with him, you realize God was always in this place. Where, where did he have his encounter? It's a good question. It was in the dream. It was on the inside of him. A lot of us are looking for an encounter on the outside when the encounter is waiting on the inside. He's waiting on the inside for you. Surely, the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Come on, man. If you know where this message is going, I want to tell you that you are the house of God. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, the people that are standing next to you, gates of heaven. Give me a high five. I give me a high five. High five. Gate. Gate. Your gate. Your gate. 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 Yeah. Gate. I come that side. I come that side. Gate, 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 yeah, gate, gate of heaven, gate of heaven. You're a gate of heaven. You're a gate, door, window, everything of heaven for me. So, touch the gate that is next to you. They're just fresh from heaven. Gate of heaven. Hold on. Yeah, I got you. Gate, gate of heaven. Yeah, gate of heaven. I, you know what I just did? I just painted a bullseye on you saying that you are the gate of heaven. And it is in this place that the Lord peeks out of heaven and sees who is that light that is shining. Oh, who is that light that is shining? Oh, that's my word. Oh, that's my word that is calling unto me. Deep calls unto deep. The deep part of the word is calling, is shining his light over you. Gate of heaven. Gate of heaven. 
This is none other than the house of God. It's not just the church. You are the house of God. Now let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There's a difference between an old covenant and a new covenant. In an old covenant, you're the house of God. In the new covenant, Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. So you choose, you want to be a house or a mansion? Paint your bulls. Allow the word. I want to prophesy over you that you're a mansion of God on the earth. You're the gate of heaven on the earth. But it all starts with the word. It all starts, not even you desiring, oh, I want more of the word. I want more of the word. No. I think the word wants more of you. So when you receive the word into your heart, receive it, believe it, apply it in your life. When you receive it, believe it, and apply it in your life, it begins to sanctify you. It begins to clean you. It, it allows you to become that light. It, it cleans the lens so that the light of God's word can shine into the heavens. God is looking for you. He's looking for you. He's not looking at, at, at Sajeev, just a, another man. Oh, you know, he's gone old. It's not about old age. He's looking about how bright your light shines. That's why he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth. It's not about how much, how long you've been a Christian, brother. It's got nothing to do with which church you go to. It has everything to do with how much the word is working out an encounter in your life. God is looking to encounter you. He's looking to encounter you. Why? It's because in the encounter, he causes everything that was dead to come to life. To come to life. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're not just going to sing the song like we normally sing a song. Okay, every word. Can you put up the lyrics? Do we have any lyrics? No? No lyrics? No lyrics. Okay, look at, look at this. You are with me. What can separate us? That is a promise. That in itself, that is enough for you to encounter God for all your life. Okay, every line is a promise that's about to give you an encounter. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. No demon. No sin. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So I want you to sing the song like, like you're embracing the word of God. You're embracing this word. You're receiving it into your heart and say, God, I don't, even I don't even know how, but I want this word in my mind. I want to encounter you in this song. So let's go. You can switch off the lights. You can just go back into worship mode. Go for it. You can clap. You can dance. You can come to the front. You can do whatever you want. But encounter the word. <laughs> 